Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is taken from the Gospel lesson. We hear Luke's account as he says, And Mary brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Well, five-year-old Billy was getting all of his presents, and then Grandma came to visit later. And so she had, he had all the gifts out, and so he's just telling her each of the ones that she gave, and he had to explain a couple of them because Grandma didn't understand exactly what they got. And at the end, Grandma then said, So, Billy, did you get everything you wanted? And Billy said, No, but that's okay. It wasn't my birthday. <laughs> uh, Billy understood, right? Chris, what Christmas is about. It's, it's not about us. It's about our Lord. It's the fact that God became man, that he humbled himself to be born of a virgin. And that's what we celebrate, and that's what we focus on today. We're going to take a few moments and focus on the Lord humbling himself and what that exactly means and how it is that he humbled himself for us and how then we are called to humble ourselves before the Lord and before one another. And so as we look at this verse, we often think about the manger as being the place of Jesus' great humility, right? The second half of verse 7 says, And she laid him in a manger. And the sight of a manger is a humbling place, right? Here we have the birth of a king, and he's placed in a feeding trough. He's in a place of animals. We get the picture that it's not very clean, it's not very luxurious. Because that's where a king is supposed to be, right? In a palace. In luxury, in grandeur, in majesty. We don't associate any of that with a feeding trough. There, indeed, is his humility. And it is, indeed, the humility that here the King of kings and Lord of lords is resting in a manger. That is humility. But I would put forward today that really there's even more humility in the thing that is said prior to placing him in a manger. Prior to that, we are told that she wrapped them in swaddling clothes. You see, Jesus is wrapped up like a baby, like a child. This means he is completely, totally, and utterly dependent on Mary. He is dependent on Mary to change his diapers, to burp him, to feed him, to keep him warm, isn't that humility? That, that the God of all creation is now dependent upon Mary and Joseph for his life, for his safety? That he set aside the power and the majesty of being in control of absolutely everything now is at the mercy of the actions of human beings? And he places himself there willingly. He willingly, as the creator of life himself, now makes his life dependent upon human beings. Isn't this the ultimate humility? And he does it to save humanity. The Lord, the creator of all creation, the one who gave life to humanity, now becomes part of that humanity. And isn't that what we stand in awe of as we gather this morning? The humility of our Lord, the God of God, Lord of Lords, being born as a child, the incarnation, God taking on flesh. That is what we stand in awe of. But I would put forward that we're also in awe of the fact that he would do that. That he'd give up because 
we're not comfortable with dependency, right? Because the Lord made himself completely dependent upon Mary. How do you do when you're dependent upon others? How do you like that? In fact, the goal of our life, and often, is to make ourselves independent. We want to live a life so much that, that we don't have to depend upon anyone else. What parent of a toddler has not heard the phrase, I can do it myself? Have you ever grown out of that? We continue to do that, right? I, I can do it myself. Someone offers to you to help, and what do you say? No, I got it. I'm fine. It really takes a lot for us to say yes. It takes even more for us to actually ask for that help. Which I always find ironic as a pastor when I see people doing that because these same people that I know that would turn away help would be the first ones there to help somebody else, right? We're so much willing, such more, much more willing to see someone in need and reach out a hand to help them than we are to receive that help from somebody else. Somehow it goes against our pride. And isn't this something our culture really um, develops and esteems and glorifies? This, this idea of, of independence, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We, this is what the culture wants us to do. But we should always be nervous when it's something the culture encourages. Right? Because in encouraging this, isn't it encouraging our pride? Isn't it encouraging our self-reliance and our self-focus? You see, this is not how we were made. It's not part of God's good creation. Go back to the Genesis account of how God created the world. He, he made man, and he made Adam, and everything that we hear in the first chapter of Genesis, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good when man is created. But then all of a sudden it says, it is not good for man to be alone. And he makes a helper fit for him. And then he says, the two shall become one flesh. Is that not a part of God's design then, to be interdependent upon someone? That's the way we are made and created. And that continues in our life today. When you came into this world, what were you born into? A family, right? You were born into a place where you're dependent upon others. And when you're born into the church, when you're made part of the church, are you not reborn into a family, the family of God? And as we are reborn, born again, into the church, are we not born in a situation where we are interdependent upon one another? Does this not tell us that this is part of God's good gift? That we rely upon one another? And not only that we rely upon one another, but we rely upon the Lord. We were made to be dependent upon him. And the very fact that we try so hard to be independent, that we turn away from others in our dependency, is, is evidence of the fact that we need the Lord's help. This is why our Lord came and became dependent upon Mary. So we who want to be so desperately independent can be saved from that independency. That we can be brought back into our relationship with him. He made himself completely dependent upon Mary. But again, there's an interesting irony here, right? Jesus is completely, totally, we think, picture that scene of Jesus in the manger, or Mary holding him, swaddling him, feeding him, changing him, and all those things. At the same time that he is dependent upon her, she is still dependent upon him. 
Because he is, even as that child, the second person of the Trinity, the one through whom all life is offered and given. You see, Jesus came in humility to save Mary, to save Joseph, to save you, and to save me. And we see that his humility and his dependency takes another form as he goes on because his humility then leads to service. Right? He came to serve Mary even as Mary served him. And, and the greatest service that he offered Mary, the greatest service that he offered you, the greatest service that he offered me or anyone else was his going to the cross to suffering and die. As we see Christ in his swaddling clothes, we see the creator became a creature for creation to give up his life for that creation to be saved. He came to give up absolutely everything so that in his death and resurrection he would earn forgiveness and salvation for all. And that's precisely what he did. He grew up to do all those things. And that's why we celebrate his birth. We celebrate his birth because we know what he did and accomplished before. And we know that it began with his birth and his dependency upon Mary so that we would be dependent upon him. And now we are. We are utterly, completely dependent upon him for our salvation. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. There is no action. There's nothing you can take. There's nothing you can do. It's totally dependent upon him, his action for you, and his calling upon you to be part of his family and his kingdom. He is the one who has saved you. And it is in turning away from our self-reliance, our independence, and turning to him that we receive that gift of salvation. That's what repentance is. Repentance is turning away from our self-reliance, our self-independence, uh, turning to, turn to our Lord and rely completely and totally on him for all that, we, all that we are and all that we need. And we turn to him and we receive his forgiveness. And the beauty of this is that our Lord, who we see so humbly there in Mary's arms, is the Lord that served Mary and served us, but his service continues. Even from the glory of heaven, the Lord who suffered and died has risen and ascended, and he's at the right hand of the Father, which we confess, that place of power, and he continues to serve. It hasn't stopped his service. He humbly serves you today. Today he comes before you and announces that you are forgiven. He comes to you in the body and blood and serves you his forgiveness, his life, and his salvation. He offers you, just as he came in flesh and blood in Bethlehem, he comes to you in flesh and blood today to forgive you, to save you, to offer you life. And as he does this, he enables us to humble ourselves. Because that's difficult. But, but he enables us to humble ourselves first before him. We humble ourselves before him and we set aside our own self-pride and our own self-glory, giving thanks for what he has done and accomplished in us. And in our pride, we set aside our own will and follow his will. In our pride, we set our own, our, our own agenda and we look to his word to lead and guide us. That's also part of the humility. Not only relying upon him for our forgiveness, but relying upon him for our direction and our purpose that his word would lead us in how we are to live, how we are to conduct ourselves in the life that we are to have. But not only are we humble before the Lord, we are humble before one another. We are humble. We place the needs of others before ourselves. We humbly serve when there is need. We show love and we show kindness. But we also show our humility as we listen to one another. 
In our humility, we realize we don't have all the answers, and so God has placed others in our life, so we listen to their guidance and their wisdom. And then we also accept the help that others would give to us. Part of the humility is receiving with grace and with thanksgiving what God does through the people in your life. It is a truly treasured gift of a God that God, God would put people in your life who not only love you, but would be willing to help you. And part of our humility before the Lord is being humble before our neighbor and receiving all of God's gifts in all the different ways they come to us. And what a joy it is to receive that. Again, Christmas is truly about the fact that God has humbled himself to become man. And at the same time, we realize that that humble service didn't earn in the manger. The humble service continues today as our Lord comes and serves us. God became man so that we now can be his people and that we can be humble before him and humble before one another, that together we enjoy his love and share the gifts that he has given to all of us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.